you've witnessed the power of God, let's give you some praise today. He's alive, church. Come on, Knoxville, give him some praise today. Woo! Yes. Amen. Amen, amen. It is so good to see you guys. You can have a seat. Happy Easter. Wow, what a great, great day that we've been able to gather today and and, uh, great music as we focus in on the Lord. How many of you guys are baseball fans? Any baseball fans in the room? All right, all right. Here we go. Um, In honor of baseball season just kicking off, we're starting a brand new series uh, next Sunday called Keep Your Eye on the Ball. And the idea here is God has a purpose for each of you. And if you take your eye off of that ball, you're never going to feel like you're winning in life. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like. And so uh, to kind of kick off the, the, the new year and the new uh, season starting, we're going to have some ballpark food here next Sunday. That's going to be awesome. And uh, a good hot dog, right? You can't beat that. And, and uh, we're going to also encourage you guys to wear your favorite ball cap. Support your team, right? I want to see, no fighting, but we want to see who you're rooting for just to have some fun. Uh, You're going to want to be here next week. It's going to be a home run, right? Okay, pun intended. Here we go. Hey, if you've got a Bible, let's go to John chapter 20. We'll be there uh, in just a moment. I think some of you uh, are here today, uh, maybe invited by a friend. And if you're a first time guest, so glad you're here. Hope you stop by one of the uh, black VIP tents outside. We've got some free gifts Uh, to give to you just a a way for us to say thanks for being here and hope you are able to spend some time there. But uh, I want to also let you know that at the end of my message today, I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, to give your life to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to finally commit your life to Him and experience that power of His forgiveness and and, uh, experience the life that He wants you to have. Uh, We're also going to give you the opportunity to get baptized today. And so uh, the water is warm, uh, the sun is shining outside, we, we're, we're ready, uh, free. We got towels, we got clothes, we got everything that you need. Uh, hair dryers, if you're a hair dryer kind of person. And um, we're going to be videoing this, live streaming it. So no, no excuses. Uh, Knoxville, we're, we're baptizing there uh, as well in the atrium. And so um, going to be an opportunity for you to do that at the end of the message. I hope some of you will take advantage of that opportunity. And I think it's important because... A lot of you come in today and you're kind of stumbling through life. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't really have a purpose. You don't really know what that purpose is for your life. And you're just kind of hanging on and just kind of doing life. And it's just kind of mundane. And uh, you're, you're, you're trying to just kind of figure it out. And uh, you come in today with a lot of doubts about Easter. Uh, is it really real? You have a lot of doubts about God. You know, is, is God even real? You have a lot of doubts about the Bible. I mean, can I really believe this book? And and uh, so there's a lot of doubt in the room. And, and to be honest with you, we've all had doubts. I mean, I, I had my fair share of doubts. And, and uh, I think uh, it's important that, that we do something with that doubt. Um, it's really sad to me when I talk to people and they've had doubts about Christianity or Jesus for, for a long time. And, and they haven't actually investigated uh, like the four main gospels themselves. They haven't read the Bible for themselves. Um, they, they, they don't. Uh, talk to mature Christians. They just kind of watch the crazy Christians they see on social media and say, well, that's how they all must be. And and so uh, they they listen to maybe, you know, one person in their life that kind of shared with them something different. And and they never really took the time to investigate, you know, the the, the accounts of Jesus and to really wrestle with these important deep questions. I want to help you do that today. 
I would encourage you to do that. I think it's important that you wrestle with that. If it's true, then uh, it's life transforming. But the reality is a lot of us come in here today with those doubts and those doubts begin to build up walls in our life. It's, it's, it's like one brick at a time that, that we don't necessarily intend to do this, but over time with those doubts, we, we build this brick wall around our heart. And it's kind of like this, this resistance towards the things of God. It's, it's a resistance towards Jesus and, and uh, it builds over time. But, but I really do think that it begins with doubt. I think doubt is at the beginning of that. And that doubt then is, is beginning to intercede with a lot of things that we experience in life, like suffering. You know, we experience suffering and we look at the suffering of the word and we say, how in the world could a good God be good with all this suffering around the world? And, and we struggle with that. And if we don't deal with it appropriately, it just continues to build this wall in our life. And then on top of the suffering, we, we have our pride at play. And our pride says, look, I don't need God. I can be good without him. I can live my life without God. And, right? and so pride uh, continues to build the walls around our heart. And then we believe lies. There's all kinds of deceit in the world today, right? People lying about various things. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll be deceived. And some of you walk in and part of the wall that you have around your heart is that you've you believed the lie about who Jesus is or about what Christianity is all about or about the Bible. And, and so you, you, your, your doubt has turned into believing lies um, or in your life. You know, the, the professor told you, well, the Big Bang Theory is how it all started. And you're like, okay, well, what happened before that? Well, that's, a, that's not an important question. You just got to believe, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, and just kind of go along with it. But, but that begins to build up that wall even further. And then on top of that, you know, we then start to deal with Christians. And you've seen Christians and uh, they've hurt you or they've been hypocritical. And so you've watched their life, you've seen it online. And so you start to build up that wall further and, 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 and that furthering of this wall really gets strong at this point because you're looking around it like, man, that doesn't, that doesn't look like the life I want perhaps. And then, and then of course, we are alone. <laughs> we feel alone. Some of us feel more alone today. It's funny, we're you know, more connected than ever before, but all, all of us really are isolating ourselves in a lot of ways. And we're staring at our phones and we're alone a lot. And, and so being alone, the enemy really, uh, uh, really kind of enforces the lies that perhaps we believed. And so that wall just continues to, to, to build up. And, and so we experience that. And then another part of the walls is our political beliefs. Hello, <laughs> hello. Some of us have some political beliefs that are just, you know, you have dug your heels into the grounds and, and I don't care about God. I don't care about church. I don't care about Christians because this is right and I'm right. And it's like, okay, all right, whoa, 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 okay. That really has built up the wall, especially in the last couple of years around your heart, perhaps. And we wanna, we wanna press in and say, okay, well, let's, let's, let's examine the evidence. Let's examine who God is for a minute and not let that be the wall. Some of us are just discouraged you know, we're all discouraged from time to time. We experience things that are just hard. I mean, there's, it's part of life, right? That, that, that bad things happen and we're, we're struggling with those things. We don't understand and we have questions. And so discouragement plays a huge part in the walls that we build up around our heart. And, and it's like, some, some of you might be like, look, I keep trying and trying and it just doesn't seem like anything's happening, you know, my way. And, and so we can tend to blame God. Sometimes bad things happen to us when we're younger or whatever. And so those things are serious, hard things to like wrestle with. And as a result, 
Like we can be so discouraged that God becomes this person that we're, we're blaming and, and we can kind of get stuck with that. And, and so discouragement is a big part of that. And then of course, we've got, I'm just busy. Kids are involved in you know, sports and so I, I'm just busy and, and I've got you know, some things that, 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 that are just taking a priority over God. We just started a business and we're just really busy. And so you know, we get busy and God doesn't take priority in our life. That builds a wall. Uh, around our heart. And then we've got good old desires, right? I don't want to live under God's authority. (laughs) I want to do what I want to do. And some of you will throw God's design and purpose for your life in the trash for casual sex and cheap entertainment. And it's like, you're a cheap date, man. That's that's a cheap life. Like, you know, you're going to exchange the goodness of what God has for, you know, for, for that. And then, of course, you know, there's, there's also one final thing here. I mean, for some of you, it's just like, well, you didn't hit mine, Trent, so here you go. <laughs> it's like, you didn't hit mine, but you fill in the blank. What is it that happened to you? What is it that you're wrestling with today that was a brick around your heart? And you walk in here today, and it's like, all right, this is what I'm struggling with. This is the, this is the if I was honest, like I've been resistant. And some of you would say, yeah, that, that's me. I, I, I've got this wall built up around my heart. And so my, my encouragement for you today is that we would start with, with really something challenging. Maybe you've never prayed to God, but I want to encourage you to just say a one-sentence prayer today that, that, you know, in the Bible, there's some one-sentence prayers God does some incredible things with. And I, I think if we, if we say this, mean this, and talk to God, I think He'll answer it. And so I, I hope you'll be bold enough to pray this prayer with me. And I want to pray this as well. But I wonder if we would say, God, break down the walls and let me hear from you. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to tell God that today here in Maryville and in Knoxville. In fact, let's, let's read it together. Ready, Knoxville? Let's read it together. Ready? God, break down my walls and let me hear from you. See, I think, I think that's part of the struggle that some of you are experiencing. Like you haven't broken these walls down to truly listen to the voice of God. I believe he wants to speak to you today. I believe he has a word for you today. And in the scripture that we're going to read, we're going to see a guy that is a lot like some of us today. His name is Thomas. And Thomas had built up a wall of doubt in his life. But Jesus broke down that wall and and, and changed his life. And so I hope that today you will allow God to break down those walls of doubt in your life. And in chapter 20, we'll start in verse 1. We're going to read the story of the resurrection account. Here we go. It says, now on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, Mary Magdalene went, uh, came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So interesting that at the very beginning here, we've got to realize that they, they were not expecting the resurrection. They were surprised by this. They, they weren't like waiting for Jesus to come back to life on the third day. They were, they were clueless. And so when they go to the tomb to treat his dead body, they discover that the tomb is empty. And their initial thought was, well, somebody has stolen his body. Now, if you're writing this story to try to convince people to believe in Jesus, the chances of you doing it this way aren't very high. Like you don't want to make yourself look ignorant like they do. And they don't they don't, you, you wouldn't be this honest to, 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 you know, twist it around like this for the most part. 
And so it's interesting. And then the next passage, it's verses um, 11 through 18. Mary Magdalene is there and she's crying. She's weeping. And a gardener is standing near and the gardener says, why are you, why are you crying? And, and, and she says, well, they've taken Jesus's body. And, and he says, Mary, hello. And she looks up at this gardener. Well, it's Jesus. And so Mary Magdalene is the first person to see the resurrected Jesus, which is astounding when you think about it, because she is a woman who was uh, possessed by demons, right? The psychological and emotional trauma that Mary had gone through um, and the, the, the rumors and the reputation that she had in the community as the crazy person, you probably, if you're trying to convince people that this is a true story, she's probably not going to be your star witness. Am I right? That's probably not who you're going to call on. Hey, Mary, come. The, the, no, that's not. In fact, in Jewish culture at that time, women weren't even allowed to be a witness in their court system. And so you wouldn't have even chosen a woman to do that. And so for me, when I read that and I see that, I'm thinking, okay, this, this is evidence for me that this is, this is something different than just a story that somebody wrote down. And so let's, let's keep going. Hop down to verse 19. On the evening of that day, so that evening, Sunday night, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They were afraid that they were going to get arrested. They were afraid that they were going to get killed. They didn't know what was going on. So they're scared to death. And in that situation, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now hop down to verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, here's our guy, one of the 12, one of the boys, right? He's, he's, been, he's been bros with these guys for three years. One of Jesus' best friends, like he, he was friends with these guys. Um, he was not with them when Jesus came, talking about missing a, a big event, talking about FOMO, like he had it right here. I missed it. Uh, verse 25, so the other disciples told him, his best friends told him, right? We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, <laughs> I love you guys, Did I don't believe you. <laughs> he said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. <laughs> Some of you have said that. I will never believe. In fact, you had a friend invite you today and you love that friend, right? Your boys, your great friends, but they talk about their faith in Jesus and they talk about Christianity and you're like, Thomas, you're like, uh-uh, I'm not gonna believe it. I want proof, right? I wanna, I wanna see the nail scars. I wanna see the, the, his side where they, they pierced him with a spear to ensure that he was dead. Like you want proof that Jesus really does exist. And so what's interesting about this is, you know, I can't prove to you that Jesus is alive. Just like I can't prove to you that George Washington was a real person. I can't prove that. What I do is I go to the written accounts, the historical records. Uh, we see the evidence that is around the historical evidence, the eyewitnesses of George Washington's day and time. And 
And we come to a conclusion today that, yeah, he's probably the first president of the United States. And yeah, he's probably alive at that time. Well, in the same way, we look at the life of Jesus and we look to the written accounts, the eyewitness accounts. And we look to the autobiographies that were written at that time. Uh, Matthew and Mark, right? And John, these are guys who were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus and they wrote a biography about it. Luke is a guy who was best friends with eyewitnesses and he wrote an account about it. There were other biographies written that didn't make it into the Bible, but, but that's kind of evidence that Jesus is a real person. There's even Jewish uh, historians that wrote about Jesus. And so nobody really argues uh, about the historical fact that Jesus was a real person who, who died on a cross. Where, the, where, where we have the kind of discrepancy is, did he really raise from the grave? And so the New Testament tells us that over 500 people saw him resurrected, right? We also know that Christianity exploded in Jerusalem at that time and, and it, it spread across the world rapidly. We also know that these disciples who were sharing the gospel message were actually getting martyred. They were getting, they were getting murdered for their message. And now we know people will die for a belief that they have. We, we've seen that in our day and time, but, but nobody will die for a lie. So if they knew it was a lie, if they were just lying to people, the likelihood of them actually allowing themselves or, or continuing to preach this message and get murdered, the chances of that for me, that's huge uh, historical evidence that they really saw Jesus, that he really truly was alive. And so here's Thomas, he doesn't believe He's wrestling with this eight days, his best friends, not believing them. And then this next section, he has an experience. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them this time. Whew, he's here. The doors were locked, right? They're still afraid. Jesus came again and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, like he knew exactly what was going on. It's almost like he came a second time to have a conversation with Thomas and to give this story to us today. He, he knows what doubts you're experiencing today. He knows what you went through. He knows your heartache. He knows the emptiness. He knows the questions that you have today, just like he knew Thomas. And he said to Thomas, hey, Thomas, come here, put your finger here. See my hands, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I love it. Here's Thomas making this incredible confession of faith. It's one of the greatest confessions of faith, really probably in the whole Bible. Because when he sees the risen Jesus, he calls him a name that is incredibly important. It's the same Greek word that was used in the Hebrew Old Testament that translates to the highest name of God, which is Yahweh. So Thomas is proclaiming and confessing that Jesus is his God, that Jesus is his Lord. And he worships him in that moment. And it's exactly what some of you need to do today. You need to confess that Jesus is your Lord and your God. Sure, maybe you are here because, yeah, you think it's a good idea to have faith or you think it's a church is a good idea on Easter Sunday, but you've never come to a moment in your life where you've truly essentially given Jesus authority of your life. And you've said, all right, I'm not living for me anymore. I'm going to live for you, God. And so it's not what I want to do. 
It's not what, what I feel like is right. I want to know what you want me to do, God, and that's the life I want to live. You see, that's different. And that's what some of you are missing. And the walls that you've built up around your heart have become that resistance. Thomas finally had an experience that changed his life. And some of you need to have that experience today. I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, blessed are you. Like, Jesus, you, you, or Thomas, you believe because you saw me. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and me. We haven't seen him face to face, right? But blessed, Jesus said, are those who haven't seen me and yet have believed. Blessed are those who are willing to look to the evidence and search the truth and lay down their doubts and tear down their walls that they've been building for years and believe that Jesus is the son of God who died for your sin and offers you forgiveness today. He offers you new life today and the hope of heaven. He offers you purpose and meaning. Nothing in the world can give you that apart from faith in Jesus. Blessed are those who haven't actually seen him, but believe. Today, some of you need to do that. And, and so I want to you're probably asking like, what do I need to believe? Or what, what am I believing, you know? And, and so I wanna give you four statements that Jesus makes that lead us to, to understanding what it is we are believing when we make him our Lord and our God. And so take a look at these. Here's number one. Number one is Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This is a, this is a very, very exclusive statement. And really this kind of makes our culture really angry because our, our culture is like, well, just, you know, if you're, if you're gonna believe in the God thing, many roads lead to God, so just choose your faith. But if you actually do the research and the study of the world religions, if you actually dive into what they teach, they all contradict one another. So it's impossible logically for all of them to be correct, right? And so Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I am the way. I'm the way to God, I'm the way to forgiveness, I'm the way to heaven, right? And so if we're gonna experience forgiveness in heaven, then we must come to Jesus. Essentially, Jesus is saying, I was sent from heaven on a rescue mission for you. See, sin has separated us from God. We're all sinners, we know that. We've all messed up, we're not perfect. I don't, I've never really met anybody that said, well, no, I've never really messed up. Like we all get that we have sin in our life and and because sin has entered the world, we have a sin nature. We have a proclivity to sin. Right? And, and, and so that's just there. And, and the, the, the bad news is that sin breaks things. It broke this world. It broke our relationship with God. It breaks relationships around us. We feel it's broken us financially. It breaks us emotionally. That's the devastating effects of sin. Sin physically is uh, killing us as well. One day we're all gonna face death, right? Our spirit, though, has the opportunity to live forever somewhere. And so if we reject Jesus as the way, then we're choosing to be separated from him for all eternity. And so Jesus is on a rescue mission. He's, he's living in this broken world. He's experiencing the same suffering and pain and all the things that we go through. And, and yet he never sins, making him the perfect sacrifice. And so he allows the people to arrest him. Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. He was nailed to a cross, crown of thorns placed on his head to ensure that he died. A guard took a spear and thrust it into his side. Usually they would break the legs of the guy on the cross to suffocate them. But because of a prophecy about Jesus, they didn't break any bones. 
uh, but he physically dies on the cross and, and then they lower him into a tomb. He died. But he wasn't just dying to be a good role model for us. It was much bigger than that. Jesus allowed them to kill him on the cross because he was taking upon himself the sin of you and I. He was taking and paying for the debt that you and I could not pay back to God. You see, because of our sin, we owe God something. We rebelled against God. And God is just and he is holy and he cannot just say, all right, Trent, I know you sinned, but come on in, man. I love you. Noogie. He is a holy and righteous God. And here's the good thing. All the bad things that happen in the world, all the bad things that happen to you, they don't go, unju- they don't go unpunished ever. Ultimately, they get dealt with in this life, uh, but ultimately they get dealt with in the future when Jesus returns. And so sin separates us from God, right? And Jesus is dying on the cross, paying the debt that we could not pay ourselves, right? And so he's saying, I'm the way to forgiveness. I took your place. I paid the debt that you couldn't pay, right? I can give you purpose. I'm the way to heaven. I'm the way to purpose. I'm the way to God. And so we have to trust in that death to pay for our sin. And then we can experience a relationship with God. And so he's essentially saying there's no salvation apart from him. There's no forgiveness apart from Jesus. And so if we're gonna experience life and forgiveness in heaven, we've gotta break down the walls of doubt and accept this statement from Jesus. Here's the second statement. Jesus said, I forgive sins. One example is in Luke 5, where he sees the faith of this group of men. He says, man, your sins are forgiven. Jesus had the authority to forgive sins. This made the religious leaders at this time extremely upset because they said only God can forgive sins. But Jesus comes on the scene as as the God-man, God incarnate. And he is saying that I have the authority to actually forgive sins. And this is great news that not only does he have authority to do this, but he offers that forgiveness to you and I. He invites us to experience that mercy and that forgiveness. He invites you to receive it today. No matter what sin you've committed, no matter what you've experienced in your life, the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means a priest cannot forgive you of your sins. Never could have, never will be able to. I cannot forgive you of your sins. Hey, listen, You can't forgive yourself of your own sins. Only Jesus has authority to forgive you of your sins. And so for us, we look to the word of God. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood on the cross, right? Which gives us the forgiveness of sin. And so some of you are like, man, you don't know what I did. And so it's hard. Listen, Jesus has authority to forgive you of your sin. Trey, you don't know what I've gone through, man. I've done some really bad... Jesus has the authority to forgive you of your sin, to wipe the slate clean, to give you a brand new life. We've got to trust him. We've got to break down the walls of our doubt, the the doubt that's like, I'm too dirty. I've done too many bad things. God can't save me. That's a, a, a lie that the enemy has used to build up into your life around your heart to hear the truth about the gospel. We've got to break down that barrier, that wall, And believe this. Here's the third statement that Jesus makes that I want to talk about. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. This is is great news. This is powerful. He says, I'm the resurrection and I am the life. 
And so, yes, he rose from the grave. That's what we celebrate today. The Roman officials, they didn't want anybody to steal the body of Jesus. So they placed guards in front of the tomb to try to prevent that from happening. But the tomb is empty on Easter morning. Scripture says Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. He is the resurrection and the life and all those who believe in him, even though we die, we will live. Here's great news. Death is a sad part of of the human experience, right? Death is a sad part for sure. But as a follower of Jesus, death isn't the end. It's only the beginning. Because as I've said, our spirit will live forever somewhere. And the choice is yours. Will you receive the forgiveness that God offers through Jesus or will you reject him today? Will the walls around your heart continue to reject him? But when we receive him by faith, his death becomes our victory. Because he defeated death, we defeat death. Because he defeated sin, we will defeat sin. Though we die, we will live because of Jesus. And that's great news for us. Some of you aren't really experiencing true life. Like you're just making it. And if you had a moment of honesty today, you would just say, man, I'm just, I'm just like struggling. Like every day is just like a struggle to get out of bed. It's a struggle to like turn on the TV and watch the, it's just a struggle. And I don't feel like I'm experiencing life. And, and Jesus was the resurrection, but he's also the life, which means he's the one that can provide life for you. He can truly make you come alive. He can truly give you life. And, and we're gonna have to break down the walls of doubt today to believe that we can experience this new life through faith in him, that we can experience forgiveness in him, right? That we can experience the hope of heaven in and through him. And here's the final quote that I wanna leave you with today. Jesus said, I'm coming back. See, when you read the New Testament, you see that like the first time that Jesus comes to earth was to rescue mission, like to save us from sin. The second time Jesus returns, it, it will be to gather his people and to judge the world. Totally different scenario. It'll be too late at that moment to get right with God. It, that'll be the, the ending. And you know, when, when we look to this, we, we are troubled because we feel it. I mean, come on, you can't live in this country and be in tune with what's going on and not feel like there's some weird stuff happening in the world that we haven't, at least myself, hasn't experienced in my lifetime. And we look at all this, but if you've read the Gospels and you read the book of Revelation, you know that Jesus predicts that a lot of bad things are going to happen, like worse things than what we're experiencing now. We're going to see devastating wars that kill millions of people. We're going to see natural disasters that take place um, that kill millions of people. We're going to see global pandemics that, that ha- wreak havoc on the earth. And, and Jesus says, look, even though you're, you're going to see that, what I'm, what I'm telling you is those are, those are signs that the end is near, right? We haven't experienced it yet, but, but we are waiting and looking because we know he's coming back. We know these things are going to have to happen. But in the midst of that, he says, I don't want you to be troubled, even though, whoo, we think about that troubles us. Here's what Jesus says in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled, right? Don't let it be. He knows it's going to be tough. Don't let it be troubled. Why? Why, Jesus? I'm worried. I'm anxious. I got kids. They're growing up in a crazy world. What's happening? Do not be troubled. Here's why. 
believe in God, believe also in me. Faith, faith anchors us. Faith anchors us in the midst of the trouble and the, and the anxiety. Believe in me, he says. Believe in God, believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You see, Jesus is preparing a place for his followers today. And one day he will return. One day he will restore the brokenness of this world. He will gather his people and he will uh, fix the brokenness of this world and it will be paradise. And we look at this world, it feels hopeless today, but the hope that we have in Jesus is that he will make all things right. Heaven will win. Righteousness will prevail. Evil will be destroyed. Right? What we are all longing for in some part of our DNA and heart, we want a good and better place. Jesus says, I'm going to give it to you. It's going to take some time, but I will return. Um, the Apostle Peter was preaching a message one day, and he's, he's sharing the gospel, and there's this group of people that are listening, and at the end of it, it says that they were cut to the heart. And uh, what that means is there's just something special. You know, it's not my words or any preacher's words or Peter's words that, that were special that day in a sense, but it's, it's really the Holy Spirit of God that moves in our life and, and like speaks to our heart. And sometimes it's just one second that we just kind of feel this is what I need to do. And, 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 and cut to the heart is that Holy Spirit moment that God uses to speak to us. And it's just like, what do we do in that one second when we feel that this is what I need? I need to give my life to Jesus. We feel that. Depending on how high the wall is around your heart will depend on your decision. If this outweighs that call, you'll keep rejecting Jesus. But at some point, at some point, there's a decision that has to be made if you're going to receive forgiveness and eternal life. And that is to knock down those walls and to do what God is calling you to do. So they were cut to the heart and then it says, they say, how do, we, how do we experience this salvation? How do, we get, how do we experience this forgiveness? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's two factors here. This idea of repenting means that I, I'm walking this way, living my life, pride, not believing in God, doubt. But when I repent, I turn from my way and I turn to the way of Jesus to follow him. It doesn't mean I've figured it all out. I have all my questions answered. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it does mean I leave my old life and now I'm pursuing Jesus, following him, trusting him, right? So that's the first part. That's a commitment that we make. I'm turning from sin. I'm turning to you, Jesus. And the second part of this is baptism. And baptism is simply a representation of of the inward decision that we've made. It's an outward expression of an inward decision. And so in the New Testament, every time someone puts their faith in Jesus, they are immediately baptized. They don't wait 10 years, you know, to, they don't get it reversed. They don't like get baptized when they're a kid and then later put their faith in Jesus. No, they put their faith in Jesus and then they're baptized. So sequence matters. Maybe some of you have that backwards. Maybe some of you have never been baptized. Today, I wanna offer that uh, and, and, and give that to you today that you can make that decision to make it right. Some of you have never put your faith in Jesus. And so today is that day where you can put a stake in the ground and say, this is the day I got saved. This is the day I gave my life to Jesus. Some of you need to do that. There's been a 
a great story that I've just been recently made aware of. And one of our partners named Duskin, um, he works out at the gym and, and um, one of his buddies uh, that uh, he knows there, frequents there, uh, went through a really tragic experience. Uh, his wife just recently died. And um, so you can imagine that the suffering, the discouragement, all the, all the walls that are built up in our life just get ignited when something that devastating happens. And so he's talking to Duskin and Duskin said, hey, man, why don't you, why don't you come to my church? Why don't, why don't you see God in this moment and check out Foothills Church? And, and so uh, he did. He came to church a couple weeks ago and uh, in a sermon, in a message similar to this, and I was giving an invitation to receive Christ um, I, I encourage people after the service to go to what we call the care and prayer room. It's just a, just kind of a, a room that our volunteers are there to talk with you, pray with you, encourage you with whatever questions that you're going through. And, and so he, he went into that room and experienced that, wasn't ready to give his life to Jesus. And what's interesting though, is that he ran into uh, Pastor Heath, who also works out at the same gym. I mean, obviously Pastor Heath works out. I mean, we knew that. Yeah, massive. Um, and so he actually had a conversation um, with, his name is Neil. And uh, he said, why don't you come in and talk to me this week and we can, we can work through this a little bit. And so he did this past week, he came in on Wednesday. All the doubts, all the walls, all the pain, all the suffering, everything that, that you and I you know, have dealt with and he is dealing with it on a much larger scale in this moment. But here he's faced with this wall of doubt this wall of concern. And in that moment, he realized that God loves him and that God has a purpose and plan for his life despite the tragedy. And so you know what he did? He was able to say, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to let my walls fall down and let Jesus replace that with faith because that's all you need. You need to tear down the walls of doubt and look to Jesus and let him give you the faith of a mustard seed. That's all it takes. That's the smallest seed, right? You just need a little bit of faith. The Bible says you'll be forgiven. You'll be changed. He'll give you the Holy Spirit of God. And then you walk in baptism to represent that decision. That's what Neil did. And guess what? He's gonna get baptized today, right now. How about that? Praise God for that. Yeah. The truth is some of you need to do the same thing. Some of you need to give up control, stop resisting and fighting God. And finally, let him break through and give you the faith that will transform your life today. I'm gonna give you that opportunity. Would you just bow your heads and if no one will leave or try your best not to distract and if your kids get a little anxious, would you just kind of slip out? Because this is like a powerful moment. This is a holy moment. Some of you need to make this decision today. And I want to help you with a prayer that will lead you in that decision. Not a magical prayer, just a helpful prayer that will lead you to make this decision. And so just simply tell this to God. Just say, Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. Today, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Just tell him. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me 
and you rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can love and live for you. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.